Welcome to Lose Yourself with Dr. Mike Cunningham, Bible teacher and church planter in Vineyard, Utah. When we lose ourselves in worldly distractions, we lose our value, purpose, and our passion in exchange for temporal experiences. But Jesus says that whoever would lose their life for his sake will find it. Let's learn what it means to lose yourself with Dr. Mike. Welcome back to Lose Yourself. Today's episode, we rejoin our conversation with Keith Radke, pastor of River Community Church in West Jordan, Utah, on the topic of discipleship. How does that relate to the family? This is where the rubber meets the road, okay? <laughs> um, as you said at the beginning, I have seven children, and, and I have to be real that discipling our children can be the hardest thing to do. It absolutely is. And so I'm going to put the disclaimer, you and I had a conversation yes. beforehand that we, okay, we're going to talk about family in this episode because I feel like sometimes that is the missed piece. Yes. Okay. So church being as attractional as it has been for the last 20 to 30 years, I had a 25 year youth ministry career. The number one reprogramming that I had to do was you know, people were programmed to give their children to me right. to be their spiritual be all end all. And that was my job, like a car mechanic to fix them, mm-hmm. repair them. And they picked the send job. them back and work in order, send them back and work in order. <laughs> and, and, you know, and then of course, if things, something went wrong, it's all on me. Right. Right. And I had to say, no, I described myself as a parental resource. Mm-hmm. Their children's faith are going to look like their faith. That's right. And trust me, I have poured my life, heart and soul into students who dis, who were coming and they actually made decisions, but they were their household, but did not share the values of our yeah. church. Yeah. And let's just say my return on that was I planted seeds. I hope that there's some stuff going, but most of the time, let's just say they took on the values of their family. Yeah. And it's just, it's just too strong of a bond. And so whether it's a function or whether it's a dysfunction, hmm. young people take on their, they just become like I'm in midlife, I'm becoming my father. Right. You it know, happens in sometimes. And so there's just the same way. How are the children supposed to emulate the parents and how do the parents become disciples yeah. of their family? So the disclaimer we put on this is anytime a pastor preaches on the family, <laughs> preaches on marriage, preaches on parenting, you and I are in for a rough week, my yes, friend. Yes, the, the next seven days, counting down now. Right now. And then when this airs, <laughs> right. this will be a, a beat down <laughs> Double because, <whammy. laughs> because that's what happens is, you know, we got to discredit the source. And so the term I say is we are imperfect mm-hmm. men Good. who preach a perfect gospel. Amen. And so in spite of us, hopefully this will do you some good, but I'm also not going to sugarcoat the need for parents to be spiritually equipping their families right. and, that, and having right. that spiritual re- dynamic in the relationship. I wanted to start mm-hmm. here because before we start finding external relationships yep. to pursue, we need to not neglect the low hanging fruit in our house. Right, right. And I, it's very common to do that. And so, again, you look in the Deuteronomy 6, the Shema, where mm-hmm. you have to instill that in the, with your children. Uh, you see in the New Testament, um, particularly in Acts, where you have the jailer, you right. have Cornelius, you have people who the whole would, household, the whole household came to faith because the father. Right. And, and obviously you have with uh, Timothy, his, he had strong female. Yeah, his mother and his grandmother. Instilled great value in him and, and developed him. And, and so I think that there is a precedent for mm-hmm. us as believers. Our first mission feels at home. I'll just kind of take it from yeah. there. Yeah, well, with the word real, we have relationship and example, accountability and leadership, and they're all overlapping and intertwined. So it's not like a system. Gotcha. Right. They're all together. So I think for me with my children, where I've won the biggest victories and lost the biggest battles (laughs) is in areas of example and maybe leadership, too, is that in the home, it is much more difficult to teach faith because our kids, our spouse sees us every day. Right. And we we are saying more by our actions, by our attitude 
than we are by our lectures. And as a, as a father, I've, I've learned the hard way that just because you teach all the right things doesn't mean your kids could get it. Just because you exemplify all the things doesn't mean your kids will necessarily get it and follow in your footsteps right away. But that example aspect is when I am in relationship with my children and I'm teaching about God's love, how am I setting the example? If I'm in relationship with my children and I'm wrong about something, have I provided an environment of accountability where my kids can say, dad, that hurt. Or, or dad, you said this and, and now it's this. Well, can you explain yourself? Well, I'm the dad. I don't have to explain. Uh. So example and accountability, maybe they go together there. Again, they overlap. As a parent, it is extremely, extremely difficult when we understand the weight of parenting. We don't just want our kids to turn out good. We want them to turn out better than us. Right. And God has given us resources for that. But a lot of times people come from a dysfunctional background and we just carry that right into our current parenting and they're blind spots to us. And so I think to set the example first, am, am I a dad who's in relationship and following somebody's example and being accountable and allowing myself to be led by another disciple? I have relationships with, with men in my life who provide all that to me. And my kids know that. They know about Pastor Thomas. They know about Pastor Robert. They know about Pastor Steve. You know, these are three men in my life who I regularly have conversation with, and they provide different aspects of this relationship with me. And so when I talk to them, it's like, well, who are you talking with besides me, especially when they become teenagers and then young adults, and I have some young adults now. My, one of my sons is in a small group, and I got to meet with a small group leader just in passing at, a, at an event and just to hear the positive stories of that, but also to hear from them about how well my son is doing as a 20-year-old That's great. because of what he's learned in a home. So I think example and accountability both go together and then providing that leadership. So parents, give yourself a little bit of a break. Okay, you're not perfect. You're not Jesus. You're not going to get it right every time. Um, but I do think that if we're willing to be humble with our kids and say, I, I, don't, I really don't know what to do, but I'm trying to do my best, and then set the example. Like, if I want my kids to be patient with each other, then i got to be patient with them. If I want them not to flap the handle and, and be angry with each other, I need to not do that with them as well. So it's, it's setting an example, life example. Yeah, that's the hard one, right? It is. I think it is the hardest thing of parenting. It is really easy to tell somebody what to do. Right. A lot of people get into management. Position. They don't really get into leadership. Positional leadership. I have this title, therefore yeah. I am in charge. That doesn't work well. Yeah. It doesn't work well in business and doesn't work well in, at home. You know, right. I think that you're right. The example is huge. And it's the first thing that gets called out. Mm -hmm. Hypocrisy is the first thing that the children yeah. either they either call it out or they embrace it. So, oh, you're that way. So I get to be that way too. Right. And I think that that's a huge thing. The relationship, they don't care what you know mm -hmm. until they know that you care. That's right. Again, you've got the whole gamut. How's your oldest? And how my, So my oldest is 22 and my youngest is 10. And nice. everybody is approximately two years apart. I've got three boys and four girls. So you have all kinds of needs. All over the place. Yeah, you've got. And personalities. Personalities and needs. How do you manage that as a dad? How do you. This is going to sound kind of funny. For a long time, I did manage it. Okay. And that wasn't working. Okay. <laughs> because, again, management is systems and processes and those kind of things. And there's areas where management works very well, right? Discipleship is an assembly line. Parenting is an assembly line. Ah, I know. I'm going to pick up on that. I will yeah. pick up on that. Yeah. Because there's a lot of very programmatic Yes. It's almost treated like it is. Go ahead. And I've used a few of them. Yep. Um, I apologize to everybody who I put through that. <laughs> but with my children, and this is again where I go back to the difference between leadership and management. Like management just says, this is the product I want to produce. And these are the three steps. And this is the schedule. And this is the you know project management timeline. Yes. But leadership, there's a great book that I recommend to people who are leadership minded to read a book called Leaders Eat Last. Yeah. But it emphasizes from an example of military leadership of what it looks like when we have all the authority, 
all the experience and the weight that goes with the title and the position of leadership, but we choose to use it to serve. Discipleship and leadership in the biblical context are almost identical. It is about serving. Jesus said that the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life, to live sacrificially. When I learn that I can't manage my kids, I have to lead my kids mm. and serve my kids right. and help my kids. Wow. Which means now I have to get to know each one of them. Right. I have to understand their their likes and their dislikes, their strengths and their weaknesses. Now it's not applying a management process that I've learned. Now it's actually taking time to get to know them, which actually takes more work. It is really easy to manage. It is not as easy to lead. Maybe that when you say manage, maybe that's where I, I'm I'm growing. I'm still growing up. Yeah. Let let me rephrase that. With such a high age range, mm-hmm. how do you serve each child effectively? The, yeah, the I have thing. to be intentional to follow through, to connect with each one of them. How are you doing? I'm a little bit more of a touchy-feely kind of guy, so mm-hmm. I hug all my kids. Yes, good. You know, um, bring them in close. You can tell when a kid is doing well because you give them a hug and they're just all into the hug. And the one that's kind of like pulling away before right. you even like get the arm in. So there's like little indicators like that. But I think relationship is relationship. If we don't spend time, if we don't make effort, I don't want to wait for my kids to reach out. I need to be reaching out. And maybe that's where, again, I've, I've matured is as a parent, like, well, if my kid's got a problem, he'll come talk to me. If my kid's got a problem, she'll say something. Yeah, right. Yeah. Then they become teenagers. Guess what? They don't say anything to you. They don't. So you got to get nosy. And you have to be nosy. And you the relationship, that's, this is a point of accountability for me because- yes. Yeah, my son's nine. He'll be a a, a tween soon. You yeah, know, the, yeah. That little on ramp to between. Yeah, and, and I I know it's coming because of twenty five years of working in adolescence. I used to introduce myself as a tour guide through adolescence. That's I know a what's great coming. Way. I I know what's coming, <laughs> and it's and you're right. It's gonna. We're, we're never gonna hire another youth pastor because of that. Now we're gonna we're gonna always look for a tour guide <laughs> for adolescence. <laughs> I always said I'm your tour guide through adolescence. It is barbaric and sad, but hey. <laughs> In six years, your child is going to put on a third of their mental, physical, and uh, emotional capacity, and they're going to turn into a grown-up. Yeah. Before your very eyes, they're going to come to you playing with toys, and they're going to leave you a grown-up who's going to go live on their own. That's right. In a six to seven-year span. Yeah. It's trauma. And sometimes they'll come back and live with you again. Well, there's that. (laughs) (laughs) Only out of necessity, but not if they have a choice. But I'll say this, that I'm trying to lay that foundation of trust so that when he's in the throes of that, you know, he's a boy, so the testosterone surge, mm-hmm. that there is some foundation of trust that he can reach out to dad and know that I'm there for him. Well, and this goes back to that concept where Jesus was calling these people to come and be with him. So that way he would be the primary influence, that he would be the primary trusted person in their life. And, you know, Jesus is perfect mm-hmm. and his motives are pure. He's not a controlling narcissist. He's not an apathetic, uninvolved, like he's perfect. And he demonstrates the heart of the father in, in such a beautiful way where not only did he say things and show things, but then he would very prematurely send them out. It seemed if you've been in any church where they have a process involved in getting connected and being in ministry, right? It's show up for three months and then it's like three months of classes and then three months of being a helper in a ministry. And some people are there by, you know, they've been there for a year before they're even qualified to lead a ministry or just be kind of a key person in a ministry. And yet some of those people have come from tremendous business experiences, tremendous life experience, where the skills that they already have and the experience they already have are automatic qualifiers. It's in the Proverbs, it says that a, that a man's gift makes room for him. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, I, d- I have read that again, and it almost looks like bribery, where the man comes before the king and it says his gift makes room for him. I, I don't know. If, I don't think that's what it's saying. No. <laughs> I looked at it. What it is saying is when we come with our giftings and our experience and what we already know, that's something that's very useful right away. I think Jesus saw that in his disciples. He saw that they didn't know anything about the kingdom of God. They didn't know anything about this new kingdom and this new covenant that he was here to introduce. But they had life experience. And all of them, in one way or not, were seeking God. And they had religious experience. And, you know, I mean, in Judaism, they weren't irreligious. No. They, they weren't atheists. They were faithful Jewish followers of God, worshipers of God. And all Jesus was doing was bridging the gap. So when we take the seeker who is, whose heart is tuned towards God and we immediately throw them in a, in a process that is devoid of relationship, we miss out on the Jesus model. Um, and I think that one of the reasons why we do that is because it's safe. Right. Right. It's just safe, you know, and, and we can kind of weed out maybe potential bad stuff or, or we just give ourselves a little bit of time because, you know, we're not patient. But Jesus was like, not only was he patient, but he was also willing to take a risk with people. And maybe that's something we can do with our kids. Maybe that's something we need to do more with our churches. Take somebody with you to the hospital. Well, when they start letting us in hospitals again. Right. But, you know, take your kids with you. That was the one thing. When my dad got serious about the Lord, I was about nine years old. He took me to men's Bible study. Right. He took me to the prayer meeting. He took me to set up Sunday morning church when we met. He just took me with him. Mm-hmm. And my, I don't know where my dad was at at that point in his understanding of the Bible or Jesus, but we were going to church and we were going to pray and we were going to study the Bible. And then when I was about 12 or 13, I was, I was 13, it, all of a sudden we started having home fellowship in our house, small group, life group, community yeah. group, whatever you're calling it now. And my, my dad would just open the Bible and everybody would take turns reading and then we would sing a song and I started learning how to play guitar and so I would lead the song. But what made a difference to me was that's what my dad was doing with us as a family. He got serious with Jesus. We all sat down in the living room four or five nights a week and we read the Bible and we all took turns reading. And I mean, I, I even look back on that now like, wow, that's where I got my public speaking experience. That's where I got my sense of confidence to stand up and read the scriptures. This is, this is real discipleship. It's relationship, it's example, it's accountability, it's leadership. We're out of time, but we'll pick up this conversation on our next episode. This has been Lose Yourself. For more information about Mike and his ministry, check out his blog at loseyourself.life. Until next time, make it your ambition to lose yourself to Christ. Lose Yourself is a ministry of Grace Church and Mike Cunningham and a production of Key Radio.